0: Idea it was that my daughter sing good, good father before I had to get up and say anything. But oh, uh, <laughs> mighty, that was not nice. I'll tell you. That. Eesh. Excuse me while I weep for a minute. Okay. We're glad you're here. My name is Steve Cunningham. I'm the lead pastor. I get to be the lead pastor here uh, at Well House Church. And if you're visiting with us, we're so glad uh, that you're joining us either here or online. We're excited about that. We're going to dismiss, we're going to get to the kids here in just a minute. Don't dismiss them yet because there's some things we want you to know. But we are gonna dismiss them in a minute. If you're new here, uh, you can take your phone out and then scan a QR code. We're gonna hit that up on the screen there in just a minute. There it is. You can scan that. Or listen, I was raised old school. Well, if you wanna just like come and talk to somebody too, that's that works. Uh, we will not bite you, but you can scan that and get some more information. We'd love to get you connected. Uh, there are sweatshirts that are for sale. Some of you signed up to, to get some of those. They're in the back. Um, We're still working on printing some of those off. They're not all there, but go back there and grab those. Uh, Don't forget about that. Uh, Wellhouse 101. If you're looking to be connected uh, to us in a more uh, deep way, just find out about who we are and what we are as a church. That is happening today from noon to one at the Wellhouse offices. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, And then also, uh, give. You, there's a couple of ways to give. You can find one of the red boxes and give out there, or you can give on our website. And uh, I want to let you know that Wellhouse is a place uh, of of extreme generosity. Uh, that, that we believe that God so richly gave, that, that we're called to be givers. And it goes beyond just, you know, like paying for staff or paying for to keep lights on and things like that, that we truly want to put those things in place. And so we want to show you a little video here um and this this happened just a couple of weeks ago that we've been going uh for for the last about 5 months now to cracker barrel every Thursday morning and we keep having the same server. Her name is Tammy. She's right there. And so uh, over the course of time, as you know, uh, if you've been to any restaurant, they're they're understaffed. And a lot of times Tammy is like holding down the fort by herself, but every Thursday morning with a smile, uh, she greets everybody and tries to serve the very best that she can. And so we decided to surprise her one morning Uh, and we were able to give her $500 in a check along with a basket of all kinds of goodies for her. And so the next week, she came to me with tears in her eyes, and she wanted me to pass this along to you. I want to thank all of you for your kindness. Uh, The thought process of choosing the gifts that were specifically chosen to pamper and indulge me made my heart melt. I have never in my life received a gift of such magnitude and thoughtfulness and generosity. The basket was just overflowing with kindness and love, and you absolutely made my day. I found myself smiling all day long, and when I sat down on Friday night to write you this, I thank the Lord again that you chose to show such appreciation and love to me. I will never forget such a beautiful gesture. That's what you do by showing your generosity. We want you to know that you make a difference in the lives of people through what you give. So we encourage you to do that. Last but not least, it's time to dismiss the kids that are, I think, second grade through fifth grade. You can go on back with Lynn. You are dismissed at this time. And would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you And we're so glad that you loved us first and you loved us best. And it's only because of that that we can actually give. It's only because of that that we serve or we love because of what you have given to us. So God, today, as we open up your word again and we look at those words of life, would you move us in such a way as to change us, to make us more like you, that we can continue to be your hands and your feet here on this earth. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Well, here we are, starting a new sermon series, uh, Family Circus, and f- some of you, you're going to identify with this a whole lot, because you already feel like the ringmaster of a three-ring show, and you're not, <laughs> that was my wife, by the way, that's right, we have been, we've been accused of uh, clowns getting out of the clown car before, you know, it's just, it's, they just keep coming out, right? Families, truth be told, can be tough, right? Unmet expectations and conflict and drama, exhaustion, hurt feelings, financial struggles. Am I getting to you yet? Yeah, you've been there. But some of us on an even deeper level, abuse, neglect, generational issues, And so all of these things combined can kind of feel like a circus, except for not as much fun. And so we wanted to really kind of breathe life into what the Bible talks about as far as it relates to families. And so we're going to be, over the next month, looking at families. So whether you are young and raising a family, or your family has grown, or maybe you find yourself uh, just by yourself... I believe that you're going to learn some stuff through this series that's going to help you pursue Christ and leave a better legacy behind than maybe what you found originally. In 1951, there was a show that came out that kind of swept America by storm, and it happened to be one of my parents' favorite shows. And so I grew up watching the I Love Lucy show, how many of you? Very good. And so you will identify with uh, Lucille Ball and all of her uh, crazy antics. And, and I still like to watch some of those old episodes and laugh. There's a couple of ones that are my favorite. But of course, Lucille Ball made this huge uh, leap into the America American um, uh, living rooms and Here we are embracing her and loving her comedy and her slapstick, and and she's beloved by by hundreds of thousands of people. And so after her death in her home city, they decided that they were going to put up a statue of Lucille Ball to honor her legacy and her memory. And so in 2000, I think it was in 2009, they put up a statue and it looked like this. And yes, that's true, okay? Um, And the statue uh, obviously gains some notoriety because it's frightening, right? I mean... In fact, they wound up deeming it Scary Lucy. All right. That's what everybody referred to. If you, if you seriously, if you Google Scary Lucy, you're gonna pull up photos like this of this statue. And it was so terrifying, and it left such a bad taste of what Lucille Ball actually did. They wound up tearing down the statue, and they've since then redone the statue so you can go back and you can look at one that actually looks like Lucy and not like some kind of crazed demon, okay? And sometimes, sometimes, I think this could be like a metaphor (laughs) for what it feels like to leave a legacy behind. Like you pour in all of these things, you know, you're you're making it day after day after day, and then at the end result's like, well, that's scary. And that didn't turn out the way I'd hoped, that didn't turn out the way I wanted, that didn't turn out the way I was expecting it to. I really hoped for something better, but that's what it looks like. So if you're there and you're this side of heaven, I want to let you know it's not too late to tear down the scary and replace it with something more meaningful. As we look at or begin to unpack this idea of family circus, I couldn't think of a better way to start than really understanding what it means to leave a legacy behind. You are a part of somebody else's legacy. But the truth be told is that you are leaving behind a legacy. And it happens every single day. The choices you make, the things that you do, right? You're leaving this legacy behind. And so the question then becomes, what legacy do you want to leave what do you want to be known for? I got to uh, last week I got to go to a funeral service and I'm telling you what it it really opened my eyes because as everybody got up and they began to talk about this woman, you could tell just how much everybody meant to her. And they did this thing where it's like, "All right, we're going to play Grandma Bingo. Raise your hand if she had ever done this for you." You know, and everybody's raising their hand. Raise your hand if she's ever done this for. That everybody's raising their hand because she loved people so well. That was just her legacy. And so the question for you and I be, is, what legacy do you want to leave? Leaving an impactful legacy, however, is a little harder than what you'd think. I did a little bit of research over the past week and discovered that only half of Americans know the name of one or maybe even none of their great-grandparents. How many of you know the names of all of your great-grandparents? 22% of Americans don't know what either of their grandfathers did or do for a living. And only one in four, uh, sorry, only four in 10 Americans know both of their grandmother's maiden names. So I don't know how you fall on that list, but I can tell you this that leaving a lasting legacy can be challenging. It can be challenging. And there's certainly struggles along the way, but I can tell you for sure, you will, without a doubt, leave some kind of legacy behind. And so the question is, what will that legacy be? Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, then you're familiar with a guy named Paul, and Paul used to have a different name. His name was Saul, and Saul grew up in a heritage and a legacy that, that was really strict on trying to follow right the Torah, trying to get in a right relationship with God through doing the right things. And as he did that, he saw this group of misfits. They were following this guy named Jesus, and they were changing up a lot of things and so he thought to himself, listen, i got to put a stop to this, and I've got to put a stop to it, even if it means holding the coats of people who kill those Christians. But later on, along the way, what we read is that Paul had an encounter with God along the road of Damascus. He was blind, and God calls him and says, listen, Saul, you're not just killing Christians. You're not just persecuting them. You're persecuting me, and I need you to follow me. And so from that time on, God changes his name. He's no longer Saul, he's Paul. And what we find in the New Testament is that most of what is written there is from this guy Saul turned Paul who changed the course of his direction and his legacy. I can't imagine if you were to sit down with Paul at the time while he is being whipped and beaten and chains and shipwrecked in prison that you would say, listen, you're going to leave a legacy behind that will go for thousands of years and churches all over the entire world will be reading through what you have to say and it will impact them profoundly. I can't imagine that he would say, yeah, I could see that. In fact, I think what he would say is, no, 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 no. What you don't understand is I'm chief of all sinners. What you don't understand is that I I don't come with eloquent words. I'm not here to impress anybody. I just want to really follow Christ. That's Paul. And yet 2,000 years later, he has left a legacy behind See, I think if we want to leave a lasting legacy and we root it in Christ, it lasts. We're going to look at Paul and a portion of his life and how he leaves this legacy as he interacts with a group of shepherds. Now these, we have shepherds here at Wellhouse who kind of help take care of our partners here at Wellhouse. And he's going to interact with them as he leaves them. And to preface this story a little bit, Paul knows that he's never ever again in this life going to see them. And so he wants to share with them some truth, and he wants to leave behind a legacy with them that will last. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 18, and this is what it says there. He, he actually calls for this group of elders to come and to see, with, see him before he leaves, and then this is what it says. When they arrived, when the, when the elders, the shepherds arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came to the province of Asia. Stop right there. There's a whole lot actually to unpack. But this is a really important fact that he, he addresses right off the bat with them. They know how he lived because he was with them and they were with him. They spent time with him. The people in your house know how you truly live. They see you. And some of you, some of us, have a different legacy with those who you know casually versus those who live in your house. Some of you grew up that way, didn't you? It was like, man, my my parents were great at putting on a mask, but behind closed doors. And when you get to spend time with somebody and the mask comes off, that's when they really get to know who you are. Jeff Henderson asked this question that I think is, is a great question to ask. And, and if you're married or if you have kids or, or maybe even if you're daring enough, a coworker, you could ask this. I, in fact, I'm going to make it a challenge. I dare you to ask this question this week to somebody who knows you more than surface level. And here's the question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? See, I like to think if you're on the other side of Steve, man, it's fun, and I try to help and serve, and I try to lighten the mood and lighten the humor. But if you ask some people in my life, you know, what's it like to be on the other side of Steve, they may tell you a whole different story. They may talk about some of the times where, man, he he, he just doesn't have much left in his tank to give. Or maybe sometimes he seemed really short-tempered. When you begin to ask the question of, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Then you can really understand how people are impacted by you. See, if you want to leave a legacy, you have to understand your impact with those who are surrounding you the most. And this is what Paul addresses first off, is that he says, listen, you know how I lived. You saw it. I was with you. He continues on in verse 19, and he says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know how I lived? This is what Paul's saying. You know how I lived when things got real. You know how I live when hardships came. You know how I lived when when everything that I thought was gonna work out this way didn't go that way at all. You know how I lived when I was being persecuted. You know how I live when people were attacking me. You know it. One of the hard parts, I think, about being a parent is that you know that hardships are gonna come and you can't save your kids from all of them. You know, and you want to, you want to protect them from all of the bad things, but you know you can't. Hardships are going to come. How we handle them is key. And how we address them will leave our legacy. Paul says that through the continued focus on Christ, he was able to humble himself when the hardships came. So, the question is, what do you you go to when you're going through blank? (laughs) What's your go to when you're going through whatever it is, right? Whatever the thing that really pushes your buttons, the the thing that really tempts you, the thing that really challenges you, the thing that really makes you upset, the, the thing that pushes your back up against the wall. What is your go to? Do you escape? Do you fight back? Do you get enraged? You, are you quick-tempered? Do you become passive-aggressive? Do you attack the other? But what, is, what is your go-to when you're going through whatever it is? Paul addresses when things got really tough, he focused his eyes on Christ. And then he remembered, hey, listen, you know what Christ did when things got tough? He lowered himself to being a servant. He humbled himself and became like one of us. And so his go-to when he was going through being shipwrecked or his go-to when, when Jewish uh, opponents were opposing him or his go-to right when he was in jail or, or being flawed, all the go-to's were of humility in Christ. Paul's not done talking about this legacy. It's not just enough about saying, all right, like, what, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Or or when pressure comes, how do I act? What is my go-to in these situations? Paul's not done. He continues on in verse 20. He says, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful uh, to you, but have taught you publicly uh, from house to house. I've declared both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God and repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Paul recognizes his mission is to preach Jesus to everyone he meets. And can I tell you something? That's your mission too. It's really easy to say like I have a pastor and he's the guy who preaches. Yeah, you got a question about the Bible, great. There there's a guy that we hire and he he could be the he could be the question answer guy. Like he's the guy that you just go to. But Paul's mission is our mission. That in every body we meet, we share this hope in Christ. See, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I know that there were some things that I've walked through in my life that were just devastating. Hurtful. Tragic. And I know without the love of Christ, and I know without the hope that I have in him, man, my life would be so completely different. And so I get to live out my life living into that hope and sharing that hope with others. But so do you. Paul said that he's being helpful to those publicly and behind closed doors. That, that doesn't matter if it's public or he goes house to house. It doesn't matter if it's a Jew or a Greek. He's, he's being helpful in every way that he can. And let me tell you this about leaving a legacy. Your character is revealed by how you treat people publicly and privately. Being in ministry, I oftentimes get to hear other minister stories and other pastor stories and stories from their children, and I, I have to tell you, I mean, one of the reasons why I, I felt like as as God kind of pushed me in the direction of ministry, I thought, man, I don't want my kids to be preacher kids, right? I don't want the PK thing, right? Because this seems like it's, there's always a lot of bitterness around that. And then I realized why. It's that a lot of times, preachers' kids will see the preacher, right, or see the pastor, and they love on and support and give grace to all these other people who've giving them their time, and they come home, and it's like, I don't have time for you. But here's the truth. That's not just true of pastors and preachers. It's true of humanity. Isn't it easier to give grace to people that live outside the walls of your home than it is sometimes to people inside? You have been there? Keep your elbows in. It'll help you along the way later today, right? You poke them too many times in the ribs, it's going to be tender. Your character is revealed by how you treat people publicly and privately, and here's my guess. You'll lean one direction or the other. You'll love your family well and love outsiders poorly or you'll love outsiders really well treat your family poorly And Paul says in leaving a legacy behind that it didn't matter who you were or where he came in contact with you, he was going to be as helpful as possible. And part of that helpfulness as possible is letting the love of Christ shine out of him in every way that he could and in every situation that he could. That's a part of the way that Paul leaves this legacy behind. It's a legacy that has stood the test of time. It's 2,000 years and going strong. I think we have something to learn from Paul here. If you're a part of our band, if you guys would come on up as we kind of wrap up here. But Paul's not completely done talking to the elders and and kind of sharing with the legacies he knows he's not going to see them again. In verse 22, he says this, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. How many of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? <laughs> How many of you know what the future holds, right? I I remember thinking through, right? Right before uh right before Covid hit right, and we were talking about a, as our leadership of our church, we were walking through, and we said, "How about how about um, as we look at the the kind of the focus for the year, we're like twenty twenty perfect vision." I'm so glad we didn't choose that, because <laughs> wouldn't that have been egg on our face? But isn't that true? We don't know what's going to happen. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Paul says, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's not going to be easy. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be tough and it's going to be challenging. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So Paul sums up everything here and he says, listen, life ain't easy. Been there, Come on. I'm not, I can't be the only one. Been there. Life ain't some of y'all, life have been too good too, all right? Life ain't easy. Families are not easy. Marriages, not easy. Children, not easy. Grandparenting, that looks fun. But I'm gonna guess there's some not easy parts about that. Work, not easy. Living life in community, not easy. Being a part of a church, sometimes, listen, that ain't easy either. Are you with me? Paul says, I know one thing that the Holy Spirit keeps prompting me to is that there's hardships on the way, but I know my task. My task isn't to get bogged down by all the hardships and become bitter. My, my task isn't to be bogged down by all the trials and then get revenge. My, my, my task in life is not to take it out on anybody else. My task in life is to remember that through everything, through every hardship I face, through every challenge that comes my way, through every relationship, struggle, parenting Struggle, family struggle, life struggle, finance struggle. That I have a task, and the task is testifying to the good news of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? That that is your task. You want to leave a legacy behind? Leave that behind. Leave it behind. As I'm telling you, if you do that in your family, if you continually look around, and say, "All right, listen, what's it like to be on the other side of me?" Really. Really. And knowing, knowing that you're here for good, to help others, knowing what your go-to is when you're going through whatever it is. And then finally, not becoming so distracted by your present that you lose sight of God's purpose. Those are the things that leave a legacy so I'm excited about this series. I'm excited because I know that God is doing something in you and I, that he's rebuilding families and he's rebuilding relationships. He's a God who will do it again. And so if you find yourself in a broken place, a place of more questions than answers, a place where it just seems like, man, I've been going through hardship and hardship and hardship. Man, this is the place for you. So where it can feel like a three-ring circus where you're juggling schedules and walking a tightrope of tension. And wondering how long you can keep the, the big top open. God's here and he's redeeming and he's loving and he's ready for you. So would you pray with me? God, we confess that we don't get this right often. God, I confess, I don't get this right often. But we want to be a people who leave a bigger legacy than being burned out. We want to leave a bigger legacy than schedules who dominate our time and our attention. We want to have a bigger legacy than just making it through another day and another week. God, we want to mirror you here on this earth with everything we have and everything we are. So God, would you transform our lives to look like you, to be aware of who we are and whose we are, the way that we treat others, the way that we interact with others, our task here on this world. God, would you remind us of that daily so that we can leave a legacy that lasts. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship?